Hey everyone, welcome to World Cry Radio, Go Be Great. I am your host and wealth strategist, Karina Calhoun. And listen, we have an amazing next couple of weeks scheduled for you all. So we recently had the Power 3 Virtual Women Summit on June 26th and June 27th. So over the next few weeks, I will be spotlighting various segments from that virtual summit. It was literally a life-changing event. And I'm not just saying that. I can say that for myself. And I've had numerous people reach out to me who attended this virtual summit that felt the same way or that actually feels the same way. So again, I will be highlighting various segments from the virtual summit during the next couple of weeks of War Cry Radio Go Be Great podcast. And please, please, please feel free to reach out to these speakers and sponsors. They did an amazing job. They came in and literally the power of three is edify, educate, and empower. They came in literally and did just that. That's why we know that this was a transformative event. And if you are looking to join our community, we are the power of three and we are on Facebook. So please feel free to join us at any point in time. We would love to welcome you home. Thanks for tuning in. I am a child of God. I am a wife. I am a mother. But professionally, I am a professional woman in STEM. I'm a professional black woman in STEM. And for me, that has that has afforded me opportunities, but it's also given me some experiences um, in my life. So I'm, I was born and raised in Georgia. I'm a Georgia peach, one of the few that still live in Georgia. Um, and I had an interest in STEM uh, from a very young age. I was the kid that um, you, you guys may be able to relate to because you may have one of these kids who are always breaking up stuff um, and trying to put it back together, but it never quite works, that, that was me. So I knew early on that I was going to have some kind of future in STEM, even before it was called STEM. So um, my career led me to Georgia Tech, and then um, I transferred to Southern Tech, which is now Kennesaw State University. I graduated with a degree in mechanical engineering. Um, I was a mechanical, a practicing mechanical engineer for 10 years. So I've built everything from car parts. So if you are rolling around in a Ford or a Chevy, uh, you probably have parts that I designed. <laughs> um, and then I did, I've done, I've, I have manufactured train car parts. And then I went, moved into uh, designing systems for your buildings. So if you can breathe easy when you're in um, buildings downtown, if you're in Clemson Stadium at Clemson University, if you are at, at UGA and you're in Stan Sanford Stadium, I probably helped design the system uh, in those, I, I designed the systems in those stadiums. So a 10-year career doing those things before I said, you know, there are so few of us. And by few of us, I meant two things. One, women and minority women. Um, in engineering, in STEM. And so I made it my mission to replicate myself. And that's, that's my whole, in a nutshell, that's what I do. I try to replicate myself. And I start from the very young and, and, and move on up to professional women. So, in, so I started Smart STEM a couple of years ago with the whole sole fo focus of reproducing myself. Minority woman in STEM with support with support and knowledge, the things that I didn't have, the things that I didn't get, I want to give those things to other people because it didn't have to be as hard as it was for me. And if I can make that road a little bit easier for somebody else, then I wanna do that. But along that, I, I realized that my story um, and, the th and the work that I was doing to transcend professions, it transcends just STEM to women in general. Women in leadership in itself, it, we're scarce. Out of the Fortune 500 companies, I think right now they said that there were only 17 women that are CEOs of Fortune 500 companies in the world, you guys. What? Why? That's crazy, don't you think? We know we have the leadership skills, so why haven't we cracked that barrier?
And part of it is beyond us. It goes on. It go, it's mainly about the, your diversity, inclusion, um, and equity. Um, those are really huge things and, and they're really they're showing up really huge right now because we're in the midst of not only are we in the midst of a pandemic, but we're in the midst of our civil discourse, uh, a real civil discourse where we're talking about racial systematic racial um, issues. And the, the truth is, is that we could we could throw um, feminism in here as well and anything about women because we have suffered um, at, 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 at the same rate, okay? So if you wanna be in leader or you wanna be in leadership, what, how do you go? Like, how do you succeed in, in doing that? And really the, the truth is, is that there's not one clear path to, to leadership. We, all, we, we can all probably tell stories of how we ascended or you, you thought you knew the path and then you took that path and maybe you took a, a right where you thought you were gonna take a left or you went straight and you should have taken a right. So we can all tell those, tell those stories. Um, I will tell you that what I've discovered are a couple of different things. One is that you definitely need those skills that got you into to your profession. So whether you're an educator, whether you're in business, whether you're a trainer, whether you're a consultant, whether you're in STEM in some kind of way, hone those skills that got you in the door in the first place. Make sure that those are on point, okay? And then make sure that you are being really clear about who it is you are. Because I think that that's a path that many of us leave out of our leadership journey. If you know the things that you are willing to do, that line that you're not willing to cross, it, it's helpful when you get into leadership positions because you already know that's the line. I can't go there. I'm not going to do that. And you need to know, learn your voice because what happens for some situations, and in my situation, this is true, is that I didn't know my voice. And I felt like I had to do things that were, um, you know, weren't, I didn't necessarily agree with. And so it wasn't until later on in my leadership journey where I'd gotten really clear about who it is I was and was not. <laughs> so um, you do want to, you want to, you want to master that. So it's because leadership is not for the faint of heart. It will require a lot from you, but you have to decide if it's right for you. Everyone wasn't meant to be a leader. A leader can't be a leader if there aren't people following. And that's the truth. There will be hard decisions that you will need to make or will, you will need to make maybe with others. Um, you might lose friends. That's the truth. Whether those are work friends or real friends, everybody's not here to go on your whole journey with you. And it's up to you to discover that, it's especially if you, when you move into leadership, please know that the people, especially if you're, I'll, I'll use me as a situation. So I was a faculty member at a community college here in Georgia. Um, I literally went from being a faculty member one day to being the dean of the school the next. So people that I've worked alongside with for years I was now in charge of them in a real sense. It was hard because the expectations that they had of me as a faculty member, they took that into me being their dean. And the role had changed, which means that I had to decide who I was and who I wanted to be in, the, in that moment. I was no longer a faculty member, which meant that I had additional responsibilities. I had, I was privy to things that I wasn't privy to as a faculty member. And I had to make decisions for faculty members that I hadn't had to do before. So not only did I have to change, but they had to change as well. Some people adapted to that change. Other people did not. And it was sad and it was hurtful um, in a certain extent, but it was, I feel like it was growing pains. It showed me who was really in, in my corners. So when good things happen for you, 
those people that stick around who cheer you on, whether those are silently or they're like, yes, this is, this is the best news ever. Those are your folks. The rest of the people, there's not much you can do about them. And you need to release yourself from the idea that you're responsible for their reactions to your good news, to your come up. Um, trust and believe that it, it's not, it's not you. <laughs> it is them. Leadership can be lonely and it can be scary. I don't say all of this to dissuade you. I say this to prepare you and to make sure that you are ready for leadership. Now, you might be asking, okay, who, what, who are you, right? You, you up here preaching about this leadership thing. Um, for me, it wasn't, I wasn't, I'm not, a, I wasn't a conscious leader. So I didn't set out thinking I'm going to be a leader in this space. That wasn't it at all. Um, but I always, I always had opportunities where leadership was presented to me. And I always looked at it as a moment of growth. Um, was it scary? Yes. Was it at times lonely? Yes. Um, but did I learn and grow from it? Absolutely. And I, and therefore I've never, I've never regretted a single decision I've made in terms of moving, changing, shifting into leadership. Um, I, and as a black woman, I felt like it was, I feel like it's my duty to show up in places and be who I am. And I know that at this point in my life, I'm a leader. Um, I, I'm not one that's going to sit back. I'm not one that's gonna let slights pass. And slights, I mean microaggressions, and we can talk about what microaggressions are a little later. Um, I'm really secure at this point in my life about who it is I am and who it is I am not. And it works best if you know that too. <laughs> so you know how to come at me. And I mean it just like that. So if you're going to have a discussion with me, you have to know that I'm going to be as honest with you as possible. And and that may not come out the way you like it. And, and you are going to have to be okay with that. Um, I have a shirt that I love uh, that I just saw on Instagram or some someplace. And it says, be you, they'll adjust. And I have decided a while ago to live my life in exactly that way. It, it makes it easier for me and it makes it easier for you because you always know what you're getting as a leader in me. Now, so let's talk about leadership in general. Is, the, is, is leadership inherent? Are some people just born leaders? Some people would say yes. There's research to suggest that leadership is an innate ability that some people have. However, I would argue that leadership skills can be taught and mastered over time. Are there any of you that are, um, you are in a leadership position now, but you're struggling just a little bit? You could put that in the chat if, if that's you. If you're an entrepreneur, you are you're you have all the roles. <laughs> so you're the CEO, you're the HR director, you are the payroll dispenser, you're all of the roles. Um, but that means that you are essentially leading yourself and your little small team or yourself through all of these things. Um, if you are not in leadership and you want to pursue leadership, put that in the chat. Um, if, if any of these appeal to you, well, okay, these are all normal places to be. And hopefully you'll see after we get into our topic, um, you'll see a little light at the end of the tunnel. Now, if you're a woman in STEM and you're on uh, the show today, uh, I want to talk to you about some of the dismal numbers. The, the, dis the numbers are dismal. So in terms of Black women in STEM, I think we make up the, or the, 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 the percentages are 12% of the workforce, uh, of the STEM workforce. That's a dismal number. That's sad. Women, I think women are only 22 of the workforce in STEM. Whereas women working, women working, we make up 52% of the work uh, force in the United States. And actually, if we want to talk about it global, 
I think globally we make up 47% of the workspace or the workforce in the world. So we're almost 50% in the world and in the United States, we're a little over 50%. So y'all we working, but we are not in leadership. And that is a problem. What we know is, is that women have a harder time even when presented, presented with leadership opportunities, with taking advantage of it. You guys have probably, maybe you not, you haven't heard of it, but um, recruiters say that when a woman is uh, pursuing a job, if she, say there's 10 requirements, and maybe she only has three of the 10 requirements, she's not even going to apply for that job. She's not. A man, he would apply for the job and, and you know, think he's the, the best thing since sliced bread. That, that's a difference between the way a woman approaches job hunting and the way a man approaches job hunting. He's going to apply anyway. He's only got three of the 10 needed skills. He's going to apply. Women, we don't do that. So what I would tell you is to apply anyway. What's the best that they can do? Or what's the worst they can tell you? No. Okay. Well, you're, no, you're in the same spot you were. Um, but it. Every time you apply for a job, you get better at it. You tweak your resume. You tweak that cover letter. You learn the language of how to apply for a job. You know the do's and the don'ts, and you get better at it. So put that, put that into practice. So here's, here's a couple of things that I really want to talk to you about um, in the grand uh, scheme of things. So the essentials of leadership, it transcends professions. In all of the articles that I read and there are, and the many people that I talked to, there are at least five essential components or elements that a leader should be able to have, exude, or learn. So I call it C cubed in P. You can write that down, C cubed in P. And we're going to talk about each one of these things today. All right. So C cubed in P. The first C of C cubed is communication. So what type of communicator are you? So did you know that 69% of leaders say that there are, they are afraid to communicate with their employees? So let that sink in for just a moment. Leaders are afraid to communicate with their employees. So um, you think of your boss. If you have a boss right now, think of your interactions with him or her. Are they awkward? Maybe. Are they always, they're always like, what was that? It was weird, right? So just think about that. So, but 80% of a leader's job is communicating. Okay, so 69% say they're afraid, but 80% of their job is to communicate. So that's, it's crazy, right? So here, so here's the other thing you need to think about is if communicating is 80% of the job, um, let's think about how you communicate. More times than not, we often think about how other people communicate with us, but let's talk about how we communicate with other people. And I can give you some examples and I will. So I have four different types of communications that, that you may, you, you may, the, the, one of these four might be you. So analytical, are you an analytical communicator? Meaning you give the facts and you give data. You like the research. It's just the facts, ma'am. So it's a matter of, Here's what it is. Here's what it is not. And you keep it moving. There's no fluff. <laughs> there is no, you know, you're not making it sound like peace and light. It's this is what it is. And, and your expectations is that people will take that and move on. Um, that one is me. Most of the time you I will preface this by saying that you will have a a um, a primary way that you communicate and a secondary way. Intuitive, this is the second way. You go with your gut feelings, big picture, big ideas. You don't get mired down in the details. Those, that's too much for you. So you go with your gut, 
and you're like, you know, that feels good. That doesn't feel right to me. There's something wrong with that, but you can't really put your finger on what exactly is wrong with it. That's you. So that's how you, so you would say things like, I need to, I need to sit on that. I don't feel good about it. So you, that's, that would be the message or a message you would communicate to your team. So functional, you're step-by-step in processes. So you're like, you are one of those people that says, okay, so step one is this. We're going to go here. We're going to do this. Step two is these things, so on and so forth. So that's how you would communicate things to people. Or personal. Are you that person that loves to be in relationship with people? You take emotions over facts. So it's it's not it's more than just how you feel about it. It's this is wrong, right? So you you have a moral um, obligation to to deal with things. Now I can tell you that my personal <laughs> uh, communication style is anal analytical and intuitive. So I like the facts and data, but I also go on my gut uh, the majority of the time. So the facts and data either corroborate my feelings or they don't. And I still might go with my gut in some instances. And so I can tell you how this, this um, operated for me. So I had a faculty member when I was a dean. Um, he, and again, I'm if I'm coming in your space, if I'm coming to talk to you or communicate with you, generally it's a good morning and then I get right to it. So here are the things that have happened. Here's what, you know, what we've been asked to do, X, Y, Z, one, two, three. And then, you know, usually since, and I, and I call it, I, this is my engineering mind. I love it when I, ha I have de uh, uh, deadlines. So if I'm coming to you, I'm going to say, good morning. Uh, here's what's happened here's what my expectations are and this is when i need it by and and then after we conclude what i call the business then i can ask you hey how's your dog or how's your wife doing or how the twins you know i i need to do business first i'm very that's that's how i operate had a faculty member he was not appreciative of that at all he he basically told me that was cold um and some of that had to do with me being a woman and he had a, all sorts of issues with me being a woman leader and over him. But, but uh, aside from that, he didn't appreciate my tone. Uh, he didn't appreciate the fact that he said, he kept saying to me, you don't see me, you don't see me. And I, and I, it took me a while to understand, like, what do you mean? I'm standing in front of you, right? What do you mean? I don't see you. And it took a while for me to get it. And I was like, okay, so he needs me to reverse course. So I need to ask about him first. Hey, how you doing this morning? Are things going well with your family? How's, you know, I, I know you got a new guitar last week. So, you know, how's that? How, how are the lessons going? He needed me to personalize our visits before he could hear me me give him the the business of where why I was in his space. The opposite didn't work. So a part of this is knowing how you communicate, but also about how learning how your uh, your followers or the people that you're leading, how they receive communication. So that was a lesson for me. So I know that I didn't need it. I don't need you to say good morning to me. And, you know, if you see me, um, I, I don't personally need that. But he did. And so uh, once we got past that uh, initial few encounters and I took the time to actually figure out what he needed, our communication levels got better. Um, but it took but I took the time as the leader to say, how can how can we make this less awkward right um because it just i was just like this is crazy i didn't understand why we were always felt like we were butting heads so the next second c is collaboration how good are you at working with others can you take feedback without getting angry feedback is a part of the world today and collaboration is there are a lot of businesses these days that love to work in teams so you'll be working you won't be working by yourself um, you will be working with other people so how is it that you collaborate with others are you open do you take questions do you are you able to get that feedback and 
you really need to open yourself up to the ideas of other people, but be willing to, again, find your voice and say, hey, this is what, these are my thoughts and this is what I believe and, and put them on the table in a way that is acceptable um, to the group. So the, it's, the, it's up to the group to decide, this is the way we wanna communicate together. And that fosters good collaboration. That third C is critical thinking. Now you might be, you know, it's like everybody's talking about critical thinking. We, we usually talk about this in regard to our kids and things like that, right? But critical thinking to me is, are you thinking through the whole scenario for potential solutions? And is problem solving a specialty for you? So mostly leaders, again, we're communicating, but we're also problem solvers because of course your people are gonna come to you, hey, this is a problem and this happened. And with the expectation that you're gonna, you're gonna find the answer. And so are you asking the right questions? Are you digging deep enough to get to a potential solution? Because sometimes in the problem exists the potential solution to the problem, but you have to be able and willing to take a deep dive into, into the problem. So, and can you, and then be able to formulate a long-term solution with the help of others. So you don't necessarily have to do it all by yourself, but, it, but you need to be able to, and willing to lead the team to that. So, um, and then you also, part of your job as a critical thinker is to lead the team past the right now. So there's an immediate problem. Everyone's all up in arms, but you may, you might have to take that opportunity to say, okay, well, what, what are we doing a week from now? What does it look like a week from now? What does it look like a month from now? How do we get there? So move people past the immediate problem to the potential solutions, long-term solutions, right? And, and so now, so our three C's, let's, let's just review them. Communication, collaboration, critical thinking. All right, so our N is network. Who is in your network? Who, who are these people? Um, do you know others working in your field and beyond? Because you just never know who's in your network right now. They may not even be in your field. They may not do the same thing you're doing, but it doesn't, that doesn't mean that their network of people, there might be a couple of people that they, they may be able to put you two together. All right. So you, you want to expand your network past your work area. So again, if you're in STEM, that doesn't mean you can't have a person who's in consulting or who's in marketing or who's in education in your network. You should have more people in your network that are outside than inside. Both are necessary though. So make it a point to expand your network of people beyond your area. Hey guys, real quick interruption here, and I'll let you get back to your episode. Be sure to go over to warcry.com to grab additional resources under Karina's Welcoming Wealth Center. Karina has curated and created a ton of great worksheets, ebooks, journals, e-courses, and the list goes on. Don't delay, go check it out. That's warcry, W-A-R-K-R-Y.com. Talk soon. Peace. All are needed and necessary. So let me repeat that. Expand your network beyond your area of expertise. Get some other folks in there. That bring them in. If you, if you have a big decision to make, get all perspectives. Now, it doesn't mean that you have to accept all perspectives, but get them. All right. Are you meeting people at conferences? Are you um, reaching out to folks and you're being proactive about networking? and about expanding your networking. So it's not just a matter of, I have all these people's cards, but have you taken the time to actually, to actually get to know them just a bit, um, to make sure that they are who you want them to be uh, or who you need them to be in your, in your space. So, and I say that to say, you guys may have heard of the analogy uh, or of the stage. So you're the stage, you have people who are sitting in the front row and then you have some other folks who are behind them and then you have some folks that are in the balcony. All of, when we talk about networking, we're talking about all of those things. The people who are in the front row and the sec and those 
those further back rows, you decide who those folks are. But those are all part of your network. It's the folks in the balcony that you need to be concerned about. Those are the folks you put up there for a reason. They're the furthest away from you. Okay. Then the the last portion of our, our program here is professionalism. So this is a big thing. And I think mainly it's coming, it's keeps coming up lately because uh, professionalism is relative, um, to be honest with you. So how are you presenting yourself at work? Um, do you do others think of you as a professional and whatever that looks like in the space that you're in? So I think about the tech industry right now, like where you can come to work in a T-shirt and jeans every day. Nobody's going to care. Um, because it's about the work in that space. Um, you, if you're in the medical field, you're going to come with your scrubs on and you're going to, you know, that's what you're going to look like. But it goes beyond just your personal uh, appearance, even though in some instances that's still important. And as black women, we, we've heard all the stories about wearing braids at work and how, you know, California is now is a law that hair discrimination is, is illegal. Um, but for me, it's always been about being true to my own aesthetic. So if I'm comfortable in my own skin, in the clothes that I have on, in the hair that I'm wearing, um, the makeup I have on, then I'm going to be able to, to navigate that space easier because I'm not worried about what I look like. That's just me. But I'm also... Like it's in the tones that I use. It's in the, how I interact with other people. And you got to know how to um, navigate. So there are people who, who you work with who are your friends and your conversation with them is different than those people who you are not. And I know as, as black women, you guys have, maybe you've heard of code switching before. Um, if you have, it's unfortunately, it's a real thing. Um, I do, I do, I would like to believe that we're getting away from that, um, but I'm not sure that we are. And if you know how to code switch, unfortunately, that is a way of life. And I know we know how to do it. And for those people who don't know what code switching is, it's, it's the language that you would use with your girlfriend. Um, if, if a person, your boss would come around, you totally switch that. So if you were using slang before, you don't use slang with your boss, um, I'm feeling I'm of two minds about it because I understand the need for it. But there's another part that goes that I really feel like if you're being your authentic self, it should be OK. Um, but I, I will leave that up to you to decide because you know your industry better than I ever will as to what professionalism looks like. And if you don't know, then I would ask. I mean, you, I would ask. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, the other part of professionalism says that, okay, hey, those skills, you need to have them. You need to take, take the time to hone up on them if you, if you feel like they are slipping. Um, are you showing up to meetings on time? Are you doing those extra things that show you in a professional light? So it's not, it's all of those things together. And, you know, are you bringing ideas to the table? Are you fully present? And by fully present, I mean, when you show up at a meeting that you are engaged in what is happening in that space at that time, all, all the, all the time. So you're not on your phone. You are not having side conversations with, with your, the person next to you. You are fully engaged in what is happening in those meetings. People notice, people notice. So I would like to add one more, one more piece to this puzzle. And I think it's a really big piece and it goes along with networking and professionalism a little bit, uh, but I would like to add mentorship. Um, I think it's really important that we find mentors, um, especially as black women uh, in moving into leadership. So how do we know how to be a leader if we've never been one and we, and we maybe we haven't seen one or we've seen one, but they were bad. You don't want to repeat those mistakes. We can. I think we probably have a story or two where we can say, you know, we can say, "Oof, he was bad or she was bad," and I don't want to do anything that that individual did. So, um, you want to find a mentor, and this mentor doesn't have to look like you. 
it doesn't have he or she doesn't have to be the same sex as you. They just have to be willing to do the job. And mentorship is not tell me what to do. It's it's a that person is a guide. It's a guide for you. So you set the agenda in terms of what mentorship looks like for you. And that's the thing I think we get twisted. People will say, hey, can you be my mentor? And I'm like, sure. What do you want that to look like? And that stumps them because in their idea, I come with the agenda as the mentor. That's not how mentoring works. If I'm going to mentor you, you tell me what you need and I can formulate a plan for you. But I don't, I don't, the mentor does not lead the mentorship opportunities. You do. And so I really want you to, to really, really know that. So ladies, I know you have the skills. That has never been the problem. Um, you are in the room for a reason. So please know that your skills are not in question and neither is your desire. And if you adopt our practice of C3MP and you get yourself a good mentor, then I can see leadership in your future. But don't stop there. Remember, we want more women in leadership roles. So when you get yours, go out and see if there's another brilliant woman who just needs the opportunity. You mentor her and show her the ropes. Reject the notions that we have to compete with each other. I'll say that again. Reject the notion that we have to compete with each other. That is a choice that you make. I'm asking that you choose to help your sister instead. Build her up, accept that we are all different and that's a good thing. The best of teams are made up of diverse people of all genders, races, ethnicities, and orientations. There is enough room for you. Remember that leadership is a journey and not a destination. Also remember that as a professional, you have to accept that failure is an option. Accept that failure means first attempt in learning. You should always be learning and growing. You will be ready. You will be great. We are looking for you and we have been waiting for you. So now I need you to go. And as coach Karina says, be great. <laughs> so I wanted to take the time to say thank you guys for listening to what I had to say today. And uh, are there any questions that you guys may have? Coach Karina or Nicole, either one of you guys have any questions for me? So I just want to really, Dr. Tasha still has some time. I want to encourage you ladies, if you have questions, let me tell you something. You have an opportunity right now to get information that if you go into I literally have, I can feel this. If you go into corporate America or any business setting, you're not going to get truthful answers. So I'm going to encourage you, ask a question that you know you're not going to get the answer to anywhere else. Ask a question. I don't care how, how dumb you think it is. It's really not. <sighs> Ask a question. Right. Ask whatever it is you need to ask because this is a lifetime. Once in a, I'm not even going to say once in a lifetime because I pray that you have other opportunities. But right now, this is an opportunity that you have to ask questions, to dialogue with somebody that has answers for you. So I was just reading through some of the comments and and thank you. Um, thank you guys for <laughs> just being so supportive. Um, I will say this, um, it, it's leadership as a woman is different um, from all intensive purposes than a man. We don't, women don't lead like, like men do. Uh -huh. That's right. Um, I think that has been proven over and over and over again. Um, it's not oftentimes that it's valued. Um, and as women, we have to lead the charge in making that change happen mm -hmm. um, by showing up in spaces. And for me, it's always about being.
being authentically myself. Um, and I, I said, I actually have been saying for a while, but I literally said it lately. Um, I had a, had an, a job opportunity come, um, didn't, didn't apply for the job. Um, just people who know me were like, oh, you'd be great for this job. And, and what I said to, I met with the CEO and I said, if I can't come in and be who I am authentically myself, then this is a no, this is a no. I promise you that within six months, we will not be friends. We will not be, it won't work. Um, because I know what I bring to the table. And I mean that in more than just the skills and abilities that I have. Um, I know who I am. And so if I feel something's wrong, I need to be able to say, that's messed up, right? I need to be able to say, there's a better way for us to do that. And it be honored. Um, if this is not a space where that's what I, I can do, mm -mm. And I was really honest with, with them, with her about it. And, and she was very accepting of that. And so um, we're still negotiating, <laughs> you know, cause that's the other thing that women don't do. We don't negotiate salaries. That's right. um, we don't negotiate anything else. And all of those things are really key to leadership. There are women CEOs that are making 33% less than men in the same positions because we didn't negotiate. We don't negotiate. And please note that everything, regardless of what they say to you, is on the table. If they want you, they will negotiate. They will negotiate vacation time. They will negotiate sick time. They will negotiate what, if you want the cubicle on the left side of the building and on the right side of this office, they, you can negotiate it. You can negotiate getting your phone bill paid, whatever. If they want you, they will, they, it, everything's on the table. And we, we just don't, and black women are the worst at yes. negotiating because it's almost like we're appreciative for just getting in the room. Yes. Ma'am, ma'am, mm -hmm. you, you need to recognize that you are, they, they invited you in the room well, then you need to be able to say, well, in order to get me fully in the room, I need I need a specialized chair, <laughs> you know, whatever yeah. that is. Um, and I know it's hard. And I can I can tell you my the last the last job I had ooh, two years ago. Wow. Two. Yeah. Two, two years ago before I started working for myself, um, negotiating that job. Filled me with anxiety to the point to where. I was like, oh, I'm just, I'm just going to accept it. I'm just going to accept all this stuff. Yeah. And my husband was like, nope, you're going to negotiate. You're going to negotiate this, all of this. And I was like, oh, what do you mean? It just was so like, I couldn't, it blew my mind. But he, you know, he was really helpful in saying, no, you got to do this. And what is it you want? Have me write it down on paper. Here's what I would like. And he was like, what's the worst they could say is no. And then you have a, you know, it's like you're already employed. You have a job. These are things that, you know, what you, you can say no to this, right? You can walk away from this. And I think that's the part that we don't realize that we can walk away. We can say no, we can, you know, we can say this is not quite right. Yeah. And, and there's a process for it too. So I think we all need to, to realize that too is a part of leadership. It, it sets a precedent for when you get into spaces. So if they know coming in, she's not that one or she has really good leadership skills or her negotiating skills are, are the bomb. Like she know, negotiated a really good deal for herself. These are all mm. things. The moment you, you, enter, you engage with them, you interview with them is a time for you to set a stage for who it is you are. And honestly, if they've, if they, if they've gotten to the point to where they give you an offer, then they want you in their space. That's right. And so at that point, it's on you to decide if you want to be in their space. And if you, if you want to be in their space, here are the things that you need. You know, Dr. Tasha, so much of what you have said has really resonated with me. I remember when I was is first. Nicole, are you talking? I can't hear you. Uh oh. Can you hear me now? I can hear you. 
Can you hear me, Doctor? Oh, okay, I can't. That's weird. You can't hear. I can't. But what is you? What happened? Okay. <laughs> I was just going to say that when I first interviewed, coming from the private industry into corporate America, I was um, going to be. I was interviewing for a government contract position, and I re- I never forget. I think I was in. Maybe I was in my late 20s and they had asked me what I what kind of pay I was looking for. And I think when I was coming from the private industry, I was working for Goodwill and I wasn't making very much, but I had just, you know, uh, recently gotten my degree. And they said, so what type of pay you are you looking for? And I was just so nervous and so filled with anxiety that they had asked me that question because I wasn't prepared to negotiate anything. And I gave them what I was looking for. And they looked at me like, is that all? (laughs) And they said, okay, well, if that's all you're looking for, then shoot, you're hired. You got the job. And I went, man, she just went out again. I'm sorry. I think. Okay. I went home and I thought about it and I said, you know, I really could have negotiated a higher pay. And I just did not know. I was not aware of what I could have negotiated because this was all new to me. But as a contractor coming into the government, I knew that now my role was something different and I was playing a much bigger role now. So negotiating negotiating how much you are worth, it is something as Black women that we have to really get our heads around because we are worth so much more than we give our credit, than we give ourselves credit for. So that is really something that we really need to look at. Another thing that really resonated with me is when you said communication. Communication is key. Um, I work in um, corporate America now and I was butting heads, just like you told your story with your employee who you were butting heads with, I was butting heads with my supervisor and it was becoming a daily thing. So I had to, and it was really, I was getting anxiety around going into the office every day. So I I had to really sit and think about communi- his communication style because obviously my communication style wasn't working with him. So. I had to learn, for a lack of better words, his love language. Yeah. <laughs> his love language and my love language was something totally different. So I thought about yeah. it and I thought about it and I studied him and I said, okay, this is a guy who loves compliments. And instead of butting heads with him, I started off the conversation. Well, he would come to my desk and we would have a talk. And I saw, you know, oh, hey, you know, that's a nice watch or, you know, your cufflinks are really nice. And that just changed our whole dynamic of the conversation. Again, I don't need that, but he definitely is a person who needs that. And I learned that about him. So ever since then, we have we have not butted heads because I have learned not only that, I have learned to listen and some things you may not agree with. So you have to pick and choose your battles. Like, is this really something that I'm going to butt heads with you about because I'm not ready to have a bad day? So even though you don't agree, you don't have to say that you do agree. You listen, you give your point of view. Okay. And that way, I lost, I lost you a little bit at the end. What, what, what was she, what did she say? Coach, you listen, you give your point of view, you respect his opinion. Did you hear that? I I Okay. She said, you listen, you give your point of view. You respect Mm -hmm. opinion. Respect their opinion. Mm -hmm. Right. And just that way, the conversation ends faster. And that way the conversation ends faster. And you can leave it. <laughs> <Much faster. laughs> 
You know, I want to I want to add here. You know, last night we talked about. Um, you know, I was very uh, open and honest about this summit. That if you if you take your notes, if you really pay attention, whatever questions you have, whatever guidance you're looking for, whether it's God, Allah, Buddha, Source, whatever, whomever it is that you're looking for guidance from, you're going to get it here if you travel with us through this entire journey. Yes. From beginning to end. Because I believe the way this has been set up, and this is not me and Nicole setting this up, but this is the way God has set this up is that every single person is bringing something. Mm -hmm. And what Dr. Tasha talked about was as a professional, you know, really knowing your worth. And I'm looking down at my notes this is the reason why I'm looking down, but really knowing your worth and walking into that room and negotiating. Let me explain something to you because I want this to be real life for us. Last night, Dorite talked about the woman in Samaria and her having to be that woman and having to find herself. Let me tell you, you can't negotiate nothing for yourself until you find yourself. True. I'm not trying to preach, but I can do it <laughs> because I feel this so strong in me. Until mm -hmm. you find who you are, your true authentic self. I, I taught years ago that I felt like our communities were in an identity crisis. Mm -hmm. Until you can find out who you are why you are and where you are you can't do any of this so you got to go back to last night videos watch those and watch this thing all the way through because this is true true yes. guidance and instruction here find out who you are dr tasha has hit the nail on the head yes. this entire message that she has given us today mm -hmm. the three c's and mp so let me tell you I want to cry because this is just so pivotal. We have to understand what's being spoken here. Mm -hmm. You know, and I take this very serious. So I, I recognize I may sound like I'm fussing. I am, but I'm not. I love y'all. <laughs> and we love you too. But we right back at you. That is, you know, you have to know who you are. Find out who you are and then begin to negotiate what it is you need for you and your family. Because you can go and get all kinds of jobs and all kinds of stuff and do this and do that. But until you know your own self-worth, you're not going to be fulfilled and you're not going to fulfill your own destiny. Yes. Yeah. And, that, and not only that, but so and you said it, you said it when you said fulfilled, but like there's just a thing that happens when you know who you are. Like yeah. When you walk in the when you walk in the spaces and you know who you are, they can be saying all kinds of manner of just BS nonsense. Yeah. But you can stand firm in that room in that space because mm -hmm. you know who you are. That's right. And you can walk out of that space knowing I'm the exact same person. I know who I am, and I know that that mess that's not me. And I can tell you that when I left the college that I was, um, I was at, I, that was the first job that I felt like I ever, I ever just walked away from because without going into a lot of details, they were telling me that I would, I had done some things and I was like, I was real clear that those things that I did not and so when I threw up the deuces <laughs> and said, I'm, I'm out of here, then they were like, wait, 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 I'm out. Because if you can do this yes. to someone who's been an employee, a loyal employee for 13 years, this is not a place I need to be. You guys are, I'm stressed. I got anxiety. Mm -mm. I care enough about myself to say, this is not a place for me anymore. And I can walk away. Um, and that it, for me, that took guts 
and it took it was courage but i also was very clear that that's not me and i'm not gonna sit here and let you let you do this that's right, right. i'm not i would rather walk away than stand in this mess yeah and and but they the expectation was that i was just gonna stay there and take it yeah no, i'm out y'all can have it i want to also pull out a, a, a little bit of what you said also when you were um, interacting with the gentleman and he would, he wanted the conversation, the, the opposite of what you were wanting to give. And then Nicole talked about her manager, the same thing. You know, I am a big, a huge proponent of love languages in all mm -hmm. relationships, in all aspects of life only because I've seen communication not work. Right. At 22, I, I mean, my daughter, I have taught her how to accurately communicate because a lot of times we think we're communicating and we're not. And so one of the things that you two pulled out was that this was your communication style, but this is how these particular people needed to communicate to be effective. And I want to pull that out because as leaders, we have to know that it's not necessarily us and about us, but it's how right. we communicate with that next person. Now, Nicole, your, your leader should have known that and ha should have known how to communicate that. But because you yourself are a leader, you had to figure it out. Mm -hmm. you know? And so I want to just really unpack that just, really not even unpack it but highlight it because for all of you that are watching keep this in mind everybody has a different love language everybody has a different communication style you may have yours but it's not necessary to be hard-nosed in how you communicate communicate to get your communication across but you right yeah, but you have to make sure that person is able to flow with you just as much as you're able to flow with them. So if there if there's a brick wall there, you gotta you gotta figure out as a leader how to get around that wall. That's you know, right. we black women, we're very strong. I have learned how to be soft when I need to be, how to you know whatever I need to do to make sure that communication is not hitting that wall. Right. You know, and, and I, I really think that is important. Sure. Mm -hmm. I really want to be sure to point out because here's the thing we run into all the time. Like everybody's like, I'm not compromising. Yeah. This is not a compromise. Exactly. This is smart. Ex this is smart business. Okay. This is not a compromise. You can still communicate the yes. way you communicate, yes. but you have got to know the people on your team. A part of knowing the people on your team outside of knowing their strengths and their weaknesses. And this one's late on deadlines and this one, but, you know, this one likes they latte this kind of way. This is all of that, too. So if you know that this guy likes, he likes the personal first. He likes to be, yeah. he likes to feel connected to yes. you on a personal level. And then he can mm -hmm. hear the business. If you right. know that, then that, 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 that's smart for on your part. So that's now right. Like, okay, I, I need this, I need this joker to work. That's smart <laughs> you know, leadership. Like, this is called, this is smart leadership. Yeah. So. It's about you taking the time mm -hmm. to, to know what makes them go. Yes. And I'll Smart. give you uh, I'll give you a, a personal example of that. My husband is say that again. Oh, my husband, his his love language is um what is it? It's the the, the one where you accolade. He, he, you know, he likes to be told, you know, words of affirmation. Yes, yeah. words of affirmation. And mine is service. I don't want no gifts. <laughs> I don't want you ain't got to tell me I'm doing a good job. I don't need none of that. I need you to do what I need you to do. Right. And so, with my husband, when we, you know, when we first met and everything, he would say, "Well, how did I do with this? How did I do with that?" And me, having been that hard-nosed manager, you know executive all of that stuff i'm like why does joe keep asking me that i'm like you're ready to pat you on your back every five minutes <laughs> you know? and so it was not until i read and fully understood the five love languages that that was his love language it wasn't what i wanted 
it right. wasn't that I because you know being in the church they teach you you know you got to make sure you're not walking in pride and so I had some con some some things that were kind of getting confused up in there where it's like okay is he in pride or you know what is, what in the world so I had to dig in and really figure out listen that's just his love language mm -hmm. and the more mm -hmm. I give him words of affirmation the more I get what I want which is acts of service. You be amazed at how it goes, just like this. Baby, yes. I need this. You're doing a good job, and here he go, going to do it. You yes. know, but yep. knowing the love language. And so you have a, a, a love language, a communication language, even in, you know, a professional environment, whether it's in mm -hmm. church, whether it's in work, or the workplace, whether it's in school, wherever it is, you have those languages that you really need to to pinpoint. Dr. Tasha, I do want to, Renee Hub had a question. She said, how do you deal with someone who desires to be in leadership and their, and their behavior is causing conflict with the team? The person is your peer. Mm. <laughs> I'm bring my coffee on that. Why you answer that? Okay, first I would tell you, breathe. Um, this is normal. Yeah. Um, I think in every group situation, there's somebody who, who thinks that they're supposed to be someplace else. Uh, I mean, whether that's your seat or somebody else in the room, there's somebody thinking you ain't supposed to be there. So breathe. Um, there's two, there's probably more than one, uh, two ways, but there's two ways that I have, I have seen this work. Um, one is have a brief, have a conversation with this individual one-on-one. -on -one. You got to get to the crux of the problem. Mm -hmm. If this individual's problem is you, you know, I feel like you got the position that I felt like I needed, or you don't need to be running this committee. I need to be running it or whatever it is. I'm a, and because I'm a honest upfront person and, and I'll be, and I'll admit to you that confrontation is not easy. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it as a confrontation. It's a conversation. Like yeah. I need, this committee needs to work. This, this leadership group needs to work. This, us working together needs to work. What would it take for us to be able to work together without conflict? And give give them the floor and see what comes back to you. Be as open and transparent as possible. I'm feeling like there's some friction between the two of us. However, you're going to put that, right? Um, and give them the floor to get out all of because maybe it's not about you. Maybe they were promised it before you came along and you you're just bearing the brunt of stuff, right? Because that stuff happens all the time. But give them the floor to be as honest with you as possible. And then here's the other thing. If there's something on their list of things that you can direct or change, then, then make the effort to do those. But if not, at least you've given them the opportunity to air those things out. And you, you put everything on the table and then you can, have, you, can you can converse with them about how it is you believe they can move forward now that you guys have put your stuff on the table together. Yeah. Um, that is what I would do first. Um, I've seen people try to do this in a meeting. Hey guys, I wanted to give you just a quick disclaimer as I am bringing on featured guests on the show. I want to let you guys know that the views and opinions expressed here on War Cry Radio from our featured guests are those of the speaker and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of War Cry Radio, War Cry Consulting Solutions LLC, nor myself, Coach Karina. And guys, I also want to let you know that any content provided by our guests are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, anyone, nor anything. 
And guys, it is possible for you to hear something other than what I normally teach and um, guide you guys on. So please keep that in mind uh, as you are listening to our feature guests. My goal with bringing on feature guests is to bring additional value for you. Okay, so just keep that in mind, guys. Thanks. Bye.